We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Tonight, I am joined by Michael, who is a big-time JMU fan. Um, Really, really excited to have you on the show. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thank you so much, Bobby. I'm excited to be here. I'm pumped for the Sun Belt, but I'm always ready to talk JMU football. So I'm pumped and honored and uh, ready to get this thing going. You you come highly recommended by uh, JMU Twitter, so I, I'm really, really excited about this. <laughs> uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, I got into this you know, back, I think, like, I was interning in Northern Virginia in, like, 2011, and I got bored, and I looked on a JMU Rivals page, and I realized that we actually recruit some really good players. And uh, 10 years later, 11 years later, I, I've kind of kept up to into it, and we recruit even better players now. So that's kind of how it, it all started, and it just kind of exploded from there. So I'm really excited about the future. That's awesome. I mean, that kind of leads into uh, the first topic I was going to talk about. Is you guys won two national titles at the FCS level. So obviously, obviously you guys have done everything you can do at that level. So joining the FBS makes sense. But speaking to the recruiting like you were talking about there, uh, winning those titles and joining the FBS has to springboard JMU from the recruiting side, I would think. Absolutely. I think um, I've always I, I, you know, I've always followed the, the personnel side super closely through recruiting classes and you know, people have come in, people have left, et cetera. But obviously the pedigree around the program, the history um, of championships, right? And I think the last time JMU had a losing season was – either 1998 or 1999 they went five and six wow and they've gotten six or six or six six and six or better since right so you've got over two decades of winning football um you know from dominating the old the old days of the caa where you've had um, dare i say richmond on top you had um the, the app state games the, the, the back in the day when when the it was very obvious right the caa was the best conference in the league to, to where it is now jamie has been consistently winning and i think it's helped their pedigree obviously in the recruiting trail absolutely i mean you're to, to hear that you to not have an under 500 season in over 20 years i mean it it doesn't matter what level of football you're playing that is that's staggering and uh uh just to like i kind of just looking into the program a little bit, just to see that you guys have made eight, 18 playoff appearances. And like I said, those two national titles, I mean, that just, what, what kind of sticks out in your mind of why there's been that type of success? I think a little bit of it is, you know, I, I, I got to JMU, so I graduated in 2012, so I got into school in 2008, and we were four years removed from the, the first national championship, right? So we had Mickey Matthews in play. It was 2008. We had Rodney Landers, a.k.a. Superman, and he made the RPO cool before it was even called RPO. 
Like he was, you know, six two, two twenty five, just an athlete playing quarterback. And I think it showed, you know, JMU was able to just attract really good athletes. And while we were not always the biggest, we had speed, we had length, um, that, that really set us apart in the FCS level. And we had a head coach at the time, Mickey Matthews, that, you know, said everything under the sun made change happen and did it his own way. And I think he needed that at JMU. Um, when he got there in 1999, I think he had a really funny quote where he said uh, he could throw a grenade in the stands and no one would get hurt. No one cared about <laughs> JMU in 1999. And then by 2004, he, he said he created a monster. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the type of school it is. You know, it's a large public school, almost mm-hmm. 25,000 students, um, beautiful place in the mountains that is committed to winning. And, you know, I graduated in 2012. It was a different time, but then we made some coaching changes. And, and once 2016 happened, it was huge. It was a perfect storm for JMU. It was with a new coaching staff. Um, we had, we, we sort of hit our stride in terms of recruiting the type of athlete that can come to JMU and really thrive. Well, we also kind of hit a, a, a bubble or like a, a boost with in terms of social media. That's when Twitter started going off. I guess Instagram was starting then. Um, you know, do you think of like the recruiting graphics and all the hype videos? We sort of hit that stride where we, we took full advantage of that, that we had those two college game days in yeah. 16 and I think in 17 or 2015, 2017, that really propelled JMU into we are here to win and we're here to win big. Um, so I think it's all of it, right? It's the culture. It's, it's where JMU is, the type of people we attract, even in the, the student body, um, the commitment to athletics, not just in football, but across um, the portfolio of sports, right? We have winners across the board. It, it's the culture of where it is. And it, it's, it's really cool to see how it's matured and, and excited to see how that translates to the Sunbelt. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I like what you said there about other sports as well. I mean, I think the first thing that comes to mind recently is obviously you guys' softball program with the yeah. tremendous success that you guys have had. Um, so just joining joining the Sun Belt like with the likes of a Coastal Carolina that won the baseball national championship, it just I, I, I'm excited, obviously from the football side, but for other sports too, and it sounds like you are too. Yeah. No, I think I think it's a testament to when you know, our athletic director Jeff Bourne has done over the years, just with their commitment to winning, um, winning the right way, commitment to the facilities. Um, yeah, it's just been amazing. Like softball, really put sort of how many eyes can we get on JMU sports, and it really showed last year. And I'm sure the Sun Belt saw that right as an opportunity. Um, but also at the same time, it's. You know, we've had uh, the fan base is a is an interesting one where we get very high and very low at the same time with the sports. <laughs> and I remember back in 2013 or 2014, and our athletic director released that we were monitoring the situation around you know college football realignment, which really bothered all of us. So for the past ten years, the whole the monitoring became a, sort of a bad word with the community. But we well, all we can say is I think all of that paid off. And it's really just the perfect situation for JMU, and I, I can't be more than excited for it. Absolutely. I want to get back to that in a second. But I, I think the first thing that a lot of people think of when they think of JMU football is those college game days and then beating number 13 Virginia Tech back in 2010. So can you speak to both of those things? Yeah, I mean, going back to the Virginia Tech game, you know, I was a I was like I was a junior in college, 
and honestly, like I was, I didn't. I had an opportunity to go to the game, but I actually just stayed at home. I stayed back in Harrisonburg, and it was a nasty weather game. It was pouring. You know, this is right after Virginia Tech played Boise State at FedEx Field. Yeah. So, you know, they always like to say they had only two days of practice for us, but that was a crazy game. JMU historically has always been good on defense, right? When you think of JMU football in the 2000s, you think run game and defense, mm-hmm. and that defense. I I believe that year, if we actually had an offense, uh, would have been something special. And that defense came away with turnovers, um, made really good plays on the ball. Uh, they had a really good athlete at the time with Tyrod Taylor and a few other guys in the backfield. David Wilson, for example, was you know first-round running back two years later. Um, they had some really good athletes, but they had a really good job just con- containing them. And we made enough plays on offense. And uh, Mickey Matthews, our head coach at the time, had some pretty good gamemanship. And... Uh, we released the pistol offense that game that we didn't show a tape at all. So uh, Tech definitely had to adjust to that, but we were able to come out with that 21 to 16 win and the rest is history. Absolutely. And uh, I, I, like you said from, I mean, obviously you guys always have a stout defense, but the running game as well. And it, and it makes me think to the, the very, very successful JMU teams that, that I can think of have had those, super athletic quarterbacks that run that read option like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, uh, I just feel like that, like you were saying earlier, just the athletes that JMU gets, um, it just, it trickles down even to the quarterback position where, where you guys are running the ball a ton. Exactly. And, you know, going back to those game days, right? So 2015, we had uh, Vadley, who transferred from from uh, Georgia Tech. Yep. Uh, that's when we had Everett Withers come in, who, who really is, I mean, kudos to him, just lighting a fire under Jamie Athletics uh, when we really needed him at the time. But, you know, Vadley just came in. We He had, what, 550 yards of total offense against SMU. We beat them in Texas on their 100th anniversary. 40, I think it was 45 or 48, 45. He was, I mean, he was a game changer. He was a game changer on the field, right? Just an athletic freak, especially at this level, but also as a as a culture changer for us. Just a really good positive influence across the department. So once again, dual threat guy, read option, you know, spread the ball, uh, score a lot of points. And then after that with Brian Shore, who... You know, honestly, we all, I myself counted him out, but he, he was just sneaky athletic, had a bigger arm than people thought, was very confident in the offense, had full control, confidence in receivers to make plays, and he just broke a ton of records and won a championship as well. Um, so Brian Shore, Vadley, uh, you know, the, the Ben DiNucci, good dual, dual threat quarterbacks for us that have just really paid tons of dividends. 100%. And uh, that kind of leads me into the mind. The next thing that I want to discuss is you guys, obviously back to the CAA days and the, just some of the teams that you're joining now in the Sun Belt, you guys have, have a tremendous history with so many of them. Uh-huh. Uh, no, for sure. Um, I think that's a huge part of it, especially with this fan base. Um, and if you think about the diehards, right, um, that really came about from the 04 championship and the ones that came out in 2016, we weren't too far from removed from, you know, the 08 game versus App State, uh, where we came back from down three scores. Uh, some fun games against Coastal, right, when they were in the Big South. Mm-hmm. And it was always them and Liberty, I believe, um, you're jousting for conference championships. 
And also you have Georgia Southern, right, who was the cream of the crop of FCS for so long. You've got guys that they have a championship pedigree, and, and JMB just hopes to join those ranks as well. Absolutely, and and you kind of t- you kind of talked about this already with with the the original kind of realignment that took place with the Sun Belt ten or so years ago, and how you guys were kind of waiting on that just to see how how was how was not getting invited that first time around how how did the fan base react to that? So it was interesting, right? I think. Um... I think we found out later on, uh, we actually did get some invites, uh, you know, allegedly, right? Right. Uh, I think their former uh, commissioner, Ken Benson, actually mentioned, you know, that they they were on campus and looking at JMU. Uh, But I think it just wasn't the right time. Uh, You you think about where the program was under Mickey Matthews. We had a lowering attendance. We just put... $70 $70 million into a new stadium and there was not a lot of buzz. We needed new basketball arena. We needed new softball facilities. There's a lot of infrastructure that needed to get built. But also at the same time, uh, I believe Richmond wanted JMU to grow, right? And then get bigger and accept more students. So we had a lot of things happening there where maybe we couldn't be where we are now if we joined, you know, in 2012 or 2013. Um, and also, as you know, like the Sunbelt was just in a different place. It was... Yes sort of the bottom of the crop and you know, they weren't really winning games and they were sort of getting poached left and right. And I think they really did a good job getting fan bases and programs um, that are proven, right, that have won in the past uh, to really make the Sunbelt where it is today. But it, I tell you what, it's 10 years in the making, 12 years, sometimes 20 years for some fans. When we finally made that announcement, it was a huge sigh of relief because it's always been there, right? We've always talked about it. We were sort of like, we have this huge stadium and, and the CAA just didn't really make too much sense. Uh, but it was a huge sigh of relief for sure. Absolutely. I mean, like I, I talk about this a lot on, on my podcast about how how the Sun Belt has done just a tr- tremendous job from being the bottom feeder of the FBS to now – Picking the right programs, getting fan bases, not searching for big markets like some of the other conferences have, and getting it right from the fan base's perspective and creating these rivalries that just are great for the sport. And just adding JMU is just going to continue that just from the perspective that just you guys have a history with so many of the teams already. Getting Old Dominion, the proximity to you guys there is really good for the conference it's just it just makes sense like you said yeah and i'll, I'll be honest like i you know i've got i've got some choice words for our buddies in virginia beach and old dominion but we have to be in the same conference i think it's it, it just makes too much sense when you think about the fan bases you know the people that our fan base works with right when i when i go to work and i talk to folks like there's old dominion alums there right and there's jmu alums and they're all in the same place and they're Going back and forth, it just makes sense that we that we're in the same conference. And I'm telling you what, with App State and Coastal sort of doing the the uh, rivalry in the Carolinas, mm-hmm. I think Jamie and ODU is going to be a good bloody rivalry for the next for the few years to come. Right? I think we recruit the same kids. We're, we're not far apart from each other. You know, it's do you want a ball at Virginia Beach, um, sort of in the city, or do you want to go in the mountains and play at JMU, right, and play some winning football? It, it just makes sense. It's exciting. Um, I was at both games when we lost, which you know it's got a bitter place in my heart, and I'm looking forward to hopefully turning the tide here. 
Absolutely, and I, I think that time is coming sooner rather than later for you guys. <laughs> Just, and I agree with you with obviously with what you're saying there. I mean, you you see it and live it every day, but it, just from afar, in my just in my opinion, it, I couldn't agree more with you. It just makes sense for both of those schools. Just, I mean, like you said, ones in the city, ones in the mountains. It, it, same type of size wise, and it, it just makes sense on every level. Exactly, like two large public schools. They recruit the same type of kids. They graduate kids left and right, right? We all work in D.C. We all work in Richmond. <laughs> you know, we, we, we get groceries together. We, we go to offices together. Like, it, we're always beside one of them, one of them, right? So it just makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's going to be a good heated rivalry, and I'll be honest, it's going to fill those stadiums out, too, and it's going to be loud. Um, people care about that game, and people are willing to travel for it, too. That's awesome. What what are some of the other rivalries that you kind of look forward to or that you could see forming? Obviously, I think Appalachian State. Um, you know, everyone remembers the the fumble in the playoffs in 2007 when we were about to beat them right at the goal line. And then we got our revenge in 2008, and there were heated rivals, right? This is back when Armani Edwards was there as their quarterback and being a really good NFL wide receiver. We had Rodney Landers. Um, that was sort of the prime of the Mickey Matthews years, but I think it's going to be good to have that back because they're both similar schools, right? Appalachian state, um, you know, that they're in Boone, North Carolina, yeah. similar landscape, similar yeah. culture, right? To a James Madison, uh, where, you know, we're right in the Shenandoah mountains also. Um, I think that's going to be so much fun. Uh, it's going to be a good weekend. I know a lot of Jamie fans are excited to travel to that game. Um, and we've got something to prove, right? And I think also too, you know, the coastal game was always a good time. Uh, it wasn't a, I don't think there was any too close games, but I think they had a win over JMU back in 2003. Uh, but that's always a fun one, and, you know, it's an easy drive. I, I remember, I think, in this past fall, I actually drove from a JMU football game to Florida. And so I was taking 81 South all the way down, and I actually passed by Boone, Georgia Southern, um, and Coastal on my way down to Florida. So it's a, it's, it's a fairly easy drive, and it's all in the way. So I think it's natural rivalries, easy to get to, and, and fan bases are pumped for it. 100%. And like, like we've kind of said, like just the Sunbelt just have done an amazing job getting the correct fan bases and just getting the right programs to make this work. And getting you guys to join the league right away I, has led to – some things in other sports, well, and football as well, that you guys can't compete for conference championships now, and which I think is a disgrace, first of all. But yeah. but what what is kind of the the perception from JMU fans about that? Oh, we're upset. I mean, I think it's it's you saw it on Twitter, you saw it on social media, and I get it, right? It's a forty year old bylaw or however old it is. Right. It happened to the ODUs and all those mm -hmm. schools in twenty twelve and twenty thirteen with the first alignment, but at the end of the day we've had decades to fix it, right? Um, and, you know, you take the entire situation with COVID and you've got kids that came back for an extra year to to win and to, to win big and hopefully win a championship and you take that away. It's, it sucks, right? It's super discouraging. And, you know, it's 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 a sore eye, right, for us leaving a conference that we helped found, right? Jamie right. was a founding member of the CAA, and 
it's it's you know we're ripping the bandit off and we've got a lot more things to move forward to or look forward to but yeah it, it's a bummer right i feel for the athletes uh for all the sports um but hopefully you know we can turn the page here quickly 100 percent and join you're joining the league right away and it released recently was the a change in your first uh first game of the year now you guys are going to host middle tennessee state uh, uh-huh. that first week of the season that's got to fire up the fan base getting a fbs team week one in your place oh absolutely i think when i first saw the announcement i could be more thrilled um to be sort of the first program i guess since marshall right to make the transition in one year and to host an fbs opponent like usually in transition years right you're still you know you're going and getting a money game at notre dame or you're going to go get a money game at unc or, or whatever it looks like but to host a game um, at Bridgeforth, and being the first game against Middle Tennessee State, I think that's that's massive. Um, number one, I think it, it gets the fan base excited. And, and Middle Tennessee State is no slouch at all, right? Right. right. They've won the past. They've got that air raid offense, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Number two, from a player retention, especially in the transfer portal age, from a player retention and recruiting, it's a huge edge for JMU, especially in football. You know, you've got the ability to say you can play FBS ball right away. And you're seeing some of the schools, right? The Sam Houston's, the Jacksonville States that are going to go to Conference USA that are going to do it in the, the traditional route. I think Sam Houston lost maybe half their offense. Right. Offensive linemen right. and yes. running backs, they're all leaving the program because they're still playing sort of a half FCS, FBS schedule the next two years. But JMU can go into homes, can talk to parents and say, hey, we're going to play FBS ball. We're ready to win now. Yes, next year's going to transition, but we're going to go for a championship in year two. I think that means a lot, and that says a lot for the program and the position that we're in today. Absolutely, and and I couldn't agree with you more. I think you guys are are going to be able to come in right away and compete, for one, but also you guys are going to hang right with any of the programs in the East, in my opinion, and, and I'm a huge fan of a handful of the programs in the East, but I think you guys with your pedigree and what you've done, you guys are going to be able to just, you're going to fit right in and it's not going to be an issue like some of these transitioning programs, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. I really hope so. And, you know, I know there's like some controversial, you know, comments on Facebook boards and message boards and stuff about, Oh, Jamie's going to come in and win it. I don't really fall in that category. Do I think we're going to be competitive? Do we, do I think we're going to come in and fit in and look like we belong? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not the type of guy that says we're going to win it all and go undefeated. Like if we win six to seven wins next year as a transition year, I think that's a huge accomplishment. Absolutely. But do I think that Jamie will look like a Sunbelt team? Will they look like an FPS team? Will they not look undersized? I think so. I think they're going to fit right in. But at the end of the day, you know, these school, these are FPS programs. They've got 85 scholarships that they've recruited to. I think we've got some good benefit here with that COVID year and getting that extra eligibility that we've got to get. We're going to have some more depth, you know, than most transitioning schools, um, probably ever. Uh, but, you know, we're going to hit our bumps. But I think Jamie's going to look the part for sure. I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I mean, I also agree, you guys, that I wouldn't say that you guys are going to come in and just go undefeated and run the table. But I. I I firmly believe w- with you that you guys are going to lo- look the part and compete. And I agree, six, seven wins is is a great start. And 
going into year two, what that could turn into, kind of like what you were saying. What what are your thoughts there? I think, you know, I say six to seven wins, four to five, I'll be happy with also, I'll be yeah. completely honest with you. Right. Um, but I think it's just huge momentum, right? Like, you think of the people that we brought in, some of the players we brought in this year, like the Todd Tayers from Colorado State, um, the wide receivers from Boston College and Monmouth and, and some artillery that we've been able to bring in. It's good depth. Um, but I think next year we're going to, I believe, transition to our full allotment of 85 scholarships. Um, our head coach is right now hiring and building a recruiting department to sort of match um, against other Sunbelt programs. We don't really have that yet today, which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so go ahead. Oh, no, no, I was – I was just agreeing with you. I mean, I think getting getting to that 85 scholarship allotment is going to be the key for you guys just to get the depth. Exactly. And I think we've got some good scholarship players now. Um, I think we read somewhere that we've got, you know, I'm not saying these are FBS players, but we've got up to 85 to 90 scholarship level players on the roster. Some guys are obviously preferred walk-ons. Some guys are, you know, they came in as FCS sort of prospects, but We've got good players now. I think next year, I think we're going to have a fairly large class. Um, we're going to see an uptick in the type of players we're going to go after. Um, I always think that JMU recruits those sort of elite FCS G5 type prospects. Um, I think the good news now is we're just going to be able to recruit more of them. You know, like imagine if we had, you know, five more Liam Fernandes or five more Mike Greens or two or three more. Antoine Wells right in the outside playing wide receiver. I think that's what the potential that JMU has. And I think they've done a good job this year with the transfer portal, you know, bringing in some guys on the offensive and defensive lines to, to get some more depth. But I think next year is going to be very crucial. Um, and hopefully we, we show up, right, and keep that momentum alive because at the end of the day, there's a lot of really good prospects in Virginia, Maryland, D.C. that, you know, that leave and go elsewhere. And hopefully we can lure them and keep them at home. That's a great point that you ended with there. I mean, you're in an area that is huge football-wise at the high school level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so d- being able to recruit that area and then to go further south as well it, it is is huge for you guys and and for for everybody in the surrounding area. But like you said, you want you need to keep those guys around. And how how do you think you guys are going to be able to do that? Well, it's kind of weird, right? Because now we are the the most northern team <laughs> in the Sun Belt, which is crazy to think about. Because um, usually we're right in the middle. But it's it's a cool pitch, you know. We've we've recruited New Jersey, we've recruited Pennsylvania very well, and we can say to those guys, where honestly we get a lot of linemen. Hey, come, come play with us. We'll, we'll be able to go down south, warm weather games. It's an exciting conference. But also, we're going down to Georgia. We're going down to Alabama. We're going to be right next to Florida where, honestly, we can get some good speed. Right? We recruit right. well in North Carolina and the South Carolinas in the past. Um, we'll be able to get those athletes from those states um, and lure them in. And you know, you got a good education, top educate one of the top educations in the state, winning pedigree, amazing facilities. I think we will be definitely um, – be able to compete there, right, in terms of facilities right. in the Sun Belt, um, and, and to win some games. So I think we've got a really good pitch, um, come here to win, and, and honestly, like, I see a ton of Virginia prospects that end up going to, like, you know, New Mexico State, or, or down to App State, or down to Coastal, or um, going up north and playing for Rutgers, I'm like, these are JMU guys, 
Like these are the exactly the athletes that JMU should be able to keep at home. Um, that honestly ODU couldn't. Right, we thought ODU was going to do it, but they, they've been losing prospects left and right. But right. They're, they're riding the ship down there, so it's exciting. It, it's super cool, and you know I'm going to be tracking it super close. Well, what, the number the number one thing I want to end with here is I, I have to talk to you about Bridgeforth Stadium. Just it, it, just the pictures are beautiful for one, and just uh, the size coming from an FCS level at that type of stadium is just tremendous. But as my listeners know, and as I've talked to you about like my journey to attend all the FBS stadiums throughout the country, I'm super excited for JMU to join the FBS because it adds another stadium for me to attend. But just how, how, well, for one, the stadium's great. It's beautiful. But what type of, uh, home game environment does JMU bring to the table? It's it's a game changer. Um, and I applaud the, the administration for you know building the stadium and, and the way it is built. It's it's built it, it's a very tall structure, first off. And and number and number two, the fans are literally on top of the field. So you are you're you hear the noise it helps on third down when the defense gets loud, um, when the when the student section is full. It, it's truly a game changer, right? And it's really second to none. You know, you've got the Fargo Dome in North Dakota, but that's that's like a, a metal structure that just keeps all that sound in. It's a very different <laughs> environment, but it's a game changer, right? It's a true home field advantage. Um, the intro when the team runs out and you've got the fireworks and you've got all the you've got the band. We've got the largest band in Virginia, probably one of the largest in the country. Um, I think the Sun Belt's going to enjoy them, and they're loud, and they're into the game. It's really cool. And I'm sure you've heard, too, when we score touchdowns, uh, our, our our culture here is we, we throw streamers. And it's beautiful just to see touchdowns left and right, and streamers are throwing in the air, and the fans are into it. And on third down, I'm telling you, on, on defense, we, we would love to get false starts, right? We, we're just trying to build momentum and, and stop that offense. It, it really is a game changer. And honestly, as a JMU fan, I can't wait to finish the stadium. We've got we got about two thirds of it built, and we're waiting for the other side to go up soon. Uh, but it's, it's exciting. I, I can't wait to see it with a with an FBS opponent in town. That's awesome. And you guys score plenty of touchdowns, so you guys need a lot of streamers, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, a lot of tons. <laughs> they fly. <laughs> that's that's awesome. I, I I actually didn't know that. So that's a that's a cool little cool little thing that you guys got there and. I, I'm super excited to make that trip whenever that time comes. I mean, I, I don't know when that time will come, but I knew that you guys were adding on uh, to the other side as well. So w when is that looking to be completed? Well, honestly, I think we have to wait for the demand to get there. You know, we, the, the stadium right now fits around 25,000. I think we had maybe 21,000 average last year. And that also comes to playoffs. The playoffs traditionally have a low attendance compared to the regular season. But I think it's demand. I think it's funding. You know, the good news there is I think we can build the other side without having to tear <clears throat> structures nearby, which is, I think, helpful. But I think the, the fan base has to prove it, right? right? You know, I think 30, 35,000 is a great place for JMD today. But we need to get butts and seats. You know, season tickets need to sell out. We have to kind of push the limits there in terms of capacity and sort of push the admin to, you know, make that jump. And, and hopefully if someone writes a big check too, that, that always helps. <laughs> that, that definitely helps. <laughs> well, it's been tremendous having you on the show talking about JMU. And, 
And I, I'm excited to have you guys join the league, uh, join the Sun Belt, join the FBS level, and anything that you would like to conclude with. Well, first off, Bobby, thanks so much for, for helping me join. Um, I love what you do. I, I can't wait to have you at JMU and certainly let me know when you make that trip. Uh, we've got a really good tailgating crew. Um, we know a couple of buddies that just tailgate all over campus. Just love, love to show you the area and hopefully we have a couple beers and just really enjoy the atmosphere because I'm telling you, it's it's special. Um, and I think, you know, being a student at JMU and graduating from there, we sort of have this culture of it's a big school, but you know everyone's name. Um, and you know who everyone is and everyone looks familiar and you shake hands and you hold doors open and um, we do we do that for everyone, right? And I think it's an exciting time to be a JMU fan. It's, it's long awaited. Um, I know some donors and fans, young and old, have, have all been be able to be a part of it and it's good to make that move and I'm excited just to see, you know, the, the stadium filled up and having the ODUs, the app states in town, games that we cared about. Um, you know, we, we won big in FCS, but honestly it was, it was kind of a race to play North Dakota state at the end of the year. And you know, that's a lot of games to kind of wade through and a lot of you know trips you got to make, but now every week is, is sort of like the playoffs. So I'm pumped. Um, I'm, hopefully we, we keep this going and we chat again and we get to host you at JMU and, we're really excited for the fall, and um, good news is spring ball is right around the corner. Yes, and I can't wait. I'm I'm formulating my spring schedule at, uh, as we speak. So, but but again, thank you again so much for coming on, and I I appreciate all the fans who listen to the show continuously, and hope everybody has a good night. God bless.